This week on Inside Motorsport, we catch up with Jacob Black and the Dakar Rally. Joining us this week is Jacob Black. Jacob, the Dakar Rally, once again down there in Argentina and Chile. It's been very interestingly positioned, but unfortunately not without its own share of tragedies. No, that's right. It's been a, it's been a pretty horrific uh, year already with two, two Chilean locals killed uh, early on in the rally when, when the car they were in, the taxi they were in, collided with one of the assistance vehicles. And it's pretty hairy on the roads down there. And, and one of the riders, unfortunately, Thomas Morgan from France, he's only 25 years old. He was on his way to one of the stages on the assistance route and, um, and had a police car uh, collide with him and, and died instantly. So it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a bad year on the Dakar from that point of view. As we speak, it's uh, heading through stage 10 of the Dakar and uh, getting towards the uh, chequered flag. Yeah, that's right. Although it's uh, it's always a case of of so, of so close yet so far on the Dakar because stage ten past the halfway point, but there's still a there's still a lot a lot of work to do, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there that are that are doing it tough at the moment. And case in point, the Aussies Bruce Garland and Harry Suzuki last night. I think they got in at something like four in the morning uh, from yesterday's stage nine. Uh, and they'll be up in three hours' time and off to go again. So it's, uh, after they blew a turbo and had to fix it out there, so it's it's pretty it's pretty rough out there. Mm. For the cars, it's Stefan Peter Hansel again out in front. Over the last few years, or more particularly since it's moved down to South America, he's been absolutely phenomenal on those roads. He has. He just marches forward. He's he's really relentless. The man they call Mister Dakar. He just uh, he's, he's got the knack for the navigation, and he, and everyone else seems to fall around him. He's never, he's not always blindingly quick. There's always seems to be someone on a stage that's faster than him up to a certain point, and then Peter Hansel, you know, it'll be waypoint nine, and he'll be third, and and there'll be a couple of flyers up ahead, and inevitably they'll have trouble, and he'll come plodding through and and take the stage, or at least maintain the overall lead of the race. He's, He's a bit of a machine just marauding through the desert on the Dakar while while all of the challenges around him fall by the wayside. And it's very much the same situation for, for Cyril Dupre over on the box, especially with Mark Comer out this year. It is uh, such a gruelling rally and, and interesting to see just when they started off heading from Lima in Peru all the way down to Santiago where it eventually finishes. It is travelled through some amazing countryside up into the, the highest of heights as well, going across the ranges there. Yeah, that's right. So the first time that the Dakar ran a stage, I mean, they've crossed the Andes many a time since they've been in, in South America, but for the first time they actually run a, ran a stage, a, a special stage at high altitude and and it definitely took its toll up over 4,000 metres in the Andes. And I've been up there, and I can tell you it's, it's hard work. It, altitude sickness is not a joke. It's, it's like waking up with the worst hangover of your life and then having someone hit you in the head with a hammer. It's, uh, it's, it's a really hor- horrible thing to deal with. And it, it chokes the cars, it chokes the bikes, it, it robs them of horsepower. And it, was, uh, it was very slow going. And you don't want to make a mistake up there either because there's no oxygen. So when you're stuck and you have to get out and dig the car out of a out of a ditch, it, 
it's uh, it's going to take a, a really nasty toll on your body. Mm. It's an amazing event that involves all sorts of disciplines. You talked about the uh, fatality with the bikes, but uh, it, it's bikes, quad bikes, cars and trucks. And when we're talking about trucks, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a four-wheel drive uh, a four-wheel drive pickup truck. We're talking about absolute prime movers, aren't we? That's right, yeah, big, big lorries. Um, so... The, the leading class of those trucks is they weigh up around well over actually uh, 10 tonnes some of them and uh, and they don't on the ground either they, they throw them around they get airborne they roll they flip they jump they're, they're, they're incredible to watch and, and sometimes really comical as well but but just powerful powerful machines and of course they started out as the assistance trucks for the race cars that would follow behind and and go as quickly as they could on the race course so that they could support their cars with spare parts and things uh, for the front-running cars. But as the Dakars evolved, the truck races become its own its own machine as well. So there are trucks in there that are just out to win it. And uh, and very much the, the Red Bull Camazes and the DeRoys uh, are in that class and, and racing for themselves and for the glory of it. At 160 kilometres an hour in a 10-tonne truck through the desert, jumping dunes and and jumping rocks is, is not really my idea of fun. No, I don't see much fun. Interestingly, most of those trucks though, are running three drivers. Such must be the ordeal of uh, the whole process. Yeah, that's right. So they need the navigator and they, they have a spare guy for, for working on the truck because a navigator and a driver are just not going to be enough to get some of the mechanical work done, even to change a tyre on it on a truck. I mean, they've got it down to a fine art. They can do it in 15 minutes, which is astounding to me. But, uh, but yeah, 15 minutes with three guys to train to try on a big race truck. It, it's a mammoth task and a mammoth effort. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's very cool to watch as well. And to show and how... popular, especially yeah. in Eastern Europe. And I guess one of the amazing things is uh, this race. It starts the year and it is such an, a tremendous test of man and machine you, how many of these great rallies are actually left uh, due to OH&S and of course insurance concerns Jacob well this is pretty much the only one of its type I mean there are rally raids throughout Europe and, and throughout Africa but there's nothing like the Dakar rally and, and I always talk about it being you know like an out, one of the outlaw events and I always include in that the Dakar rally and the Isle of Man TT, and uh, and to a lesser extent the Le Mans 24 Hours, and and they're the races that are that are really just crazy and wild, and and I do sometimes wonder how long they'll be around because, uh, you know, in the in the current society that we live in, where it's where it's all very padded and cotton wooled and insurance premiums, it's it's a miracle really that the Dakars survived. Mm. Now, as we close in on the uh, finish of the Dakar Rally this weekend, do you see many changes with the front runners still to come? Uh, the, the bikes will change uh, purely because Ruben Ferreira at the moment is leading because Cyril Dupre had some issues, had to do an engine swap on the marathon day and lost a lot of time. He actually was out. It was the marathon stage where the bikes have no assistance overnight and he lost a gear on the first part of that stage and had to change his engine. Found another guy in the paddock who also rode a KTM that was willing to swap with him, which was very kind, and uh, and keep Cyril Dupre in the race. So 
Silver Prey's water carrier, Ruben Freer, is leading the bikes at the moment, but that won't be the case come uh, come Santiago. It'll be the Prey back in the lead there. Now, you say water carrier, Jacob. You you said water carrier there. What does that mean? I, I, it's very similar. I guess uh, I guess people might be familiar with the domestiques in uh, in the Tour de France, whose job it is to support the lead rider and the team and and provide parts and water and and uh, and wind assistance in the Tour de France. Well, a water carrier in the Dakar is very similar. Their job is to support the lead rider. Uh, they usually carry more spare parts and tools than the lead rider, and literally sometimes water, and that's uh, and that's their job. Mm. Now, in the uh, quads, it looks like the Yamahas are out in front currently. Oh, Marcus Patronelli, the, the Argentinian, is just a machine. He's he's very much a, a Petahance or a, or a Dupre, but on quads, and, and the Yamahas are flying. He's very much in command, and, and it'll be hard to see him pipped at the moment because he's, I think, halfway through the rally, he's well over an hour up, and and just very much in command of the race and, and riding his own pace. And then he, we've spoken about Peter Hansel, who you would think only uh, only troubles, mechanical troubles, would beset that many. And uh, De Villiers there is, is trying to make an, a good, honest race of it in his Toyota. That's right. So De Villiers is, is almost an hour back as, as we speak, and he's got that monstrous uh, V8 engine Toyota Hilux, which is which is a real real animal out on the track. He was fast on stage nine, super, super fast through the windy sort of WRC stage in Argentina and very, very quick, but then 100 kilometres from home struck trouble. And that's the thing that Peter Hans has got. He just never seems to have those mechanical issues that keeps the other people at bay. Uh, I don't know if it's his pace or his mechanical sympathy or what, but Peter Hansel's got a knack for getting that car to the finish each and every year and doing it just quickly enough to make sure that he's got a commanding victory at the end. Mm. And, of course, in the trucks, finally, the Kamaz with uh, Nikolaeva. I'm not sure I got that name right. Uh, uh, the Russian team there out in front ahead of the Tatra with the uh, Czech drivers and Czech team in second place. That's right. So, so Nick Lev in the uh, in the Camas is out front. That's the Red Bull Camas, and and they're monstrous things. DeRoy should really be in front, if not for the troubles that he had on stage nine. And he's he's probably, even though he's down in fifth as we speak, is probably the main uh, contender up against uh, Nick Lev. But it's uh, you know it's it's the Red Bull Camas machine at the moment that's 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 in control and. And I think the truck race will heat up. It'll be an interesting one because there's only an hour in it uh, in the top four, and and those uh, in the top five rather. And the, an hour in the trucks is not very much time. It's it's sort of the same thing as ten minutes in the cars. Mm. Well, Jacob, it's great to catch up with you, and look forward to speaking to you throughout 2013, particularly as the IndyCar season starts to kick on in earnest. Thanks, Craig. Thanks very much. Of course, keep up to date with the Dakar Rally at jacobblack.com.au forward slash Dakar. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.